I'm so glad I didn't have to suddenly figure out something to say about Revelation chapter 20. <laughs> I mean, I could have done it, but you know. <laughs> um, it's so good to be here with you this morning. Um, many of you I know and have met before. Uh, if, you, if we haven't met, my name is Jamie Levi, and my husband and I, Jad, were actually married here at New Covenant. Uh, my husband was a, a member here um, prior to us getting married and God calling us into something new and so now we have um, a church that we pastor together and it's a church made up of um, a collective of communities on mission so we don't have one church building we're kind of spread out around the greater phoenix metro area and um, we go into communities that are on the margins and in spaces that um, people who uh, are there would not normally come to a church building. So we go to them and we take the message of Jesus to them and we try to love them really, really well and introduce them to what it means to be a part of a family and to experience family together. And in that community and in that family come all kinds of really beautiful things that Jesus does. Lots of healing, lots of um, deliverance, lots of just new life transformation. So my husband and our kids are there this morning in one of our communities. We have about a dozen communities that are on mission um, across the, the valley, as I said. But one of the spaces that we serve in is uh, the YMCA downtown. I've mentioned that before when I was here, but Sunday mornings we do a gathering there with the folks who are residents there. So it's the only YMCA that still has transitional housing in it. And so there are lots of friends who are coming out of homelessness or um, just seeking refuge for a certain time. And so we go there and we hold a, um, a gathering with them. We feed them breakfast and we just talk with them and hang out and get to know their life and their stories and then we pray together and then also we share uh, an encouraging word um, about Jesus so that they learn and begin to grow. And it's actually been amazing that the things that have happened in just doing those simple things. We've had several of people, um, of the people there who have, um, who were addicts and who have come out of that addiction and not because we told them they had to, but just because they experienced the power of Jesus' love in their life, and it made them want to get rid of it, and so they did, and some of them didn't even tell us until several months down the road. They said, when I first started coming here, I was an addict, and now I'm six months sober, and we're like, we didn't even know that, so it's just been amazing to watch that. We also have a, a, an older gentleman um, who's, you know, who is filled with the Holy Spirit um, through an alpha, um, day away kind of experience. I know a lot of you know Alpha and what Alpha is, but um, it's an evangelism tool that we use to share Jesus with people, and he was filled with the Spirit, and then um, not so long ago, he started telling us how he was reading through the Bible, not because we told him he had to, but he just felt prompted to start reading the Bible, and he read it from beginning in the beginning. We told him not to do that, that that wasn't a good idea, <laughs> but he did it anyway, and he started reading all the way through, and now I believe he is in, um, I think last week he was in Romans, the second part of Romans, and he's been reading it through this year. Um, it's just powerful stuff has been happening, and um, People from different faith backgrounds, traditions, um, have been coming and experiencing the power of Jesus in their lives. And some of them, even while they still attend other places like a temple or other, other places they go later on Sundays, um, they have said to us several times, when we pray in the name of your God, when we pray in the name of Jesus, something different happens which is powerful. And so there's just been some really cool things that have been happening. And so um, that, was ha that, 
that kind of stuff happens in a lot of our communities, um, but Jad and I pastor that specific community, and so we get to be a part of that every week, and they're there this morning. And our little girls even have a, a little ministry there. So some of you know Jaden, um, our oldest. She is the one that makes pancakes. When she's with us, she makes the pancakes and serves them. And then the little ones, they just go around and talk to everybody and get to know them. And we've been told more recently that um, our little ones help keep them accountable because they ask them, like, why are, they do- why are they doing that? Or I was thinking of doing this. And they hear conversations and they say, that's not a good choice. You shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> we didn't tell them to do that. They just are like liking to mother other people. Um, anyway, it's a family thing that we do together every Sunday morning. But I have the pleasure of being here with you this morning and just sharing a word that God has given to me and has laid on my heart I, um, for a while. And I think it pertains to lots of situations in our life and lots of circumstances that we find ourselves in. Um, it's something that we can all relate to. And I know this passage is something that you're used to only hearing on Easter, right? <laughs> You're not allowed to preach it any other time. So I got uh, Pastor Steve's permission. He said it was okay. (laughs) Um, But the thing that I find so powerful is that it's not just uh, an Easter Sunday kind of thing, right? Because we are an Easter people. And so if we are an Easter people and we're living into the resurrection, that means that some story like this, like we hear about Mary in this story, has something to say to us ongoing in our life and how we live our lives, how the resurrection looks in our lives. And and one of the things that I have found is that on Easter, um, the tendency is for us to, and, and this is not a obviously not a bad thing, but our tendency is to focus on, you know, the ways that we're grateful for and thankful for, the things that we were saved from. But oftentimes, we forget the flip side of that about all the things that we're saved into, right? We're saved into a lot of, a lot of stuff, too. We're saved into a life that Jesus has given us that we, that we don't often um, take the time to remember at that particular moment. We're just grateful that Jesus died and um, forgave us of our sins, which we are super grateful for. But also, this resurrection life that we get to live into is something we also have to be grateful for. And, and to say that we understand that we know all the things we're saved from doesn't necessarily lead into us recognizing the things that we're saved into. Because often in our humanness and and in our own understandings and our our imaginations, we often fail to see the beauty and the grandness of the resurrection life that is for us on an everyday basis. Sometimes it's a lack of awareness that hinders us, and sometimes it's either an unwillingness or an inability to let go of some things that really hinders the experienced reality of the resurrection life. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, how, how sometimes this difficulty in letting go of some things hinders us from moving into and or living into the fullness of the resurrection life. So this morning as we do that, I want to invite you to reflect on this question. Have you ha- ever held on to something too tightly? Yes, <laughs> I know I have. Our girls, when they were little, would try in their toddler ways to hug and love on our little uh, Shizu Katie. 
little tiny dog, right? They would try to love on her and squeeze her. And of course, not knowing their own strength, they would end up practically squeezing the life out of her, much to her dismay. She didn't like it very much because they just squeezed too tightly. It was like they were literally going to love her to death, right? They just squeezed. But it seems that like my children, we can physically hold on to things um, sometimes, right, too tightly. We can hold on to things too tightly, like sometimes when someone gives you a handshake and it feels like your bones are cracking, right? You're like, ah, that's too much. (laughs) I'm happy to meet you, but not that happy, right? Or somebody gives you a big bear hug and it kind of takes your breath away. Or sometimes when you're holding those M&Ms in your hand and your hand gets sweaty and the M&Ms, you're holding them so tightly that the, the color and the dye starts to melt into your hands and you suddenly have a painted hand. I don't know anything about that. I'm just saying. That might happen sometimes. But there also seems to be this way that we hold on to ideas or concepts or images, even identities in our life that also somehow, as they get squeezed too tightly, they have the potential to steal life from us. I wonder if anybody here can relate to that this morning. I certainly know that I can. Not just once in my life, many times, but but one time in particular in a season of life, um, beginning in 2005, I had encountered Jesus in a really profound new way. I grew up in the church, but, um, and, and I gave my life to Jesus when I was really young, but went through a long span of years where I was trying to figure things out on my own, to do life on my own. And there came a point when I um, had an encounter with Jesus that changed all of that, and I started really submitting my life to Jesus and following uh, the Lord's will in my life and his leading in a new way. And at that time, in that moment of encounter, God gave me a picture about what I would be doing in the future. And it was different than what I had been doing at that time. It was like this vision. I could see myself, and it was the call, really. It was the moment of call in my life to do what I'm doing right now. But in that moment, I was a teacher, and I had been a teacher for five years. And I had even gone to school to get my master's degree in curriculum and instruction, And I was set to just keep advancing in the world of education and to keep advancing my career and to keep moving in that direction. In fact, it was just after, it was like six months after I finished my master's degree that I had this moment and God called me into ministry. And I was like, really, Lord, you couldn't have told me this before I did all that work? (laughs) I'm not sure that was really great timing. (laughs) But God gave me this picture then. Whatever the timing was, was God's timing, and none of it goes to waste. But he gave me this strange picture of preaching, and he tells me that this is what what he's calling me into. And I, you know, in particular, had never had a desire to do that. I, I never had an imagination that I would be doing that. I never thought about it or even considered it. Talking to adults seemed weird. I was used to teaching elementary school and working with children. And to be honest, at the time, I wouldn't have even have seen myself as worthy of what I would have esteemed as such a high calling. Don't tell Jad, but now I live with another pastor, and I know, like, you know, they have some flaws here and there. (laughs) Hi, Jad. But after having this powerful encounter with God, I knew it must be true. And, And while I hadn't had the imagination for it or expected it, I began to construct my life around this calling. So I taught one more year, and then I left teaching. 
And after some time passed, I ended up getting a job working at a church with youth and eventually started seminary and felt good that I was moving forward in the way that God had called me. I was doing the things that God called me to do and I was proceeding forward and I felt like I was making my way. And then suddenly, uh, through some unfortunate circumstances at the church I was working at, after about five years on staff there, I ended up having to leave that job and to say goodbye. And I didn't have another church to go to. I didn't have another job to go to at that time. I felt lost and broken and scared. I was single. I didn't know how I was going to support myself or pay my bills. And in a random encounter, I ended up meeting with my former principal, and she was telling me how they didn't have certain positions filled. It was only a few weeks before school started, and they still needed a teacher for a specific grade level. And so she invited me to come back and teach that upcoming year. And it's probably an understatement to say that I dreaded that. I had sold almost all of my t teaching supplies and resources. I saw myself as a pastor. I knew the landscape of education and how it had changed. And I just didn't feel like I had it in me to go back to that when I had left it with such purpose. And I just didn't have the same kind of passion for it. I felt like I was going backwards in life. Like it just didn't all make sense and register in my brain what could be happening and why God was doing this. Needless to say, I ended up going back to teaching that year, and it was an awful year, honestly. I didn't understand why God would call me out of education, um, send me into ministry and doing it for so long, and then call me back into education for that time. It made no sense. I just couldn't wrap my mind around it. It didn't fit the picture I had held so tightly for six years just before this. And so at the end of that year, that that really challenging year for me, I resigned again <laughs> for the second time. And then through a series of ex uh, uh, circumstances with one gap year in between, I ended up going back to the classroom again at a different school in the same district. So there I was again, taking another step backwards in my life. Looking back now and in hindsight, I was holding on so tightly to the ways in which I thought things would happen, the way that I thought things should happen, and, and, and the way that they made sense to me, that I couldn't recognize the ways in which God was working and doing something new and different in my life even then. But I learned so much about myself during that time. I learned about my own, my own leadership, my own style of leadership. I learned about my ideas of success so much more um, learning that has impacted who I am today even in the ministry that my husband and I do. But at the time, I was holding so tightly to my own ideas about things that I couldn't see any of that, and I missed what God was up to. I felt like life was being squeezed out of me. I just wanted to go back to what made sense to me, to what was comfortable to me, to a time when I didn't feel like my life was a mess and it wasn't out of control, a time when I felt like my identity was secure in what I was doing in the world, right? Like that identify gave me some, that identity gave me some security in who I was or where I was going in terms of moving forward. I don't know if any of you have ever been there, but that's a tough spot to be in. Hesychius of Jerusalem, who was an elder in the 5th century, he wrote in an Easter homily, uh, Hidden first in a womb of flesh, he sanctified human birth by his own birth. Hidden afterward in the womb of the earth, he gave life to the dead by his resurrection. 
It's often in the darkness of the wombs of our lives, the places where life is being formed and cultivated, but it isn't readily available and visible to the naked eye, where God is doing some of the most profound things and bringing about some of the most profound resurrections in our life. But we just can't see it. Sometimes we're just holding too tightly to see it. And in John's narration of Jesus' resurrection encounters, we see Mary after realizing that Jesus is there in front of her and and in his resurrected body, she's holding tightly to Jesus, right? She's squeezing him, and of course she would. Who wouldn't after uh, watching a beloved friend go through all the brutalization and and being misunderstood and, and watching him die? And, and then realizing his body is missing from the tomb, only to turn around and see him there alive. Who wouldn't be squeezing him tightly, right? Who wouldn't be so happy and just wanting to hang on to that moment? Who of us in our, in our strength wouldn't be clinging to that loved one? And yet Jesus tells Mary in that moment, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my father and to your father, to my God and your God. You see, Jesus isn't telling her not to touch him like he is untouchable, like, oh, no, you can't touch me, right? Because right after this, shortly after this, he invites Thomas to touch his scars for proof of the resurrection. So Jesus isn't untouchable in this moment. Rather, it seems that Jesus is telling Mary that she can't hold too tightly to this physical body in front of her because this physical body came with all kinds of ideas and assumptions on Mary's part. It's kind of just, it's just our human nature to do that. I mean, you can imagine that that embrace of the resurrected Jesus, that that Mary's first thought might have been not only that he's alive, but that things could go back to the way they were, right? Oh, you're back. We can go back to what we were doing before. She even called him Raboni or teacher because that's how she knew him. It was familiar. If he was alive again, then we can go back to living life the way that we were living it before. The celebration she was having in that moment for the life and the body and the relationship with, with Jesus um, that, that, that celebration that she was having for this life that was lost and now was found was built on what was familiar to her. Because he was alive again, now things could go back to the way they were. But you see, Jesus knows what Mary is thinking, right? He, he, he picks up on that and he understands all those connections that Mary is making in that moment because he says, don't hold on to me. I'm returning to the Father. In other words, yes, I'm alive, but things aren't going to be exactly the same anymore. I'm going, I'm going away in this physical form. You're not going to see me like this shortly after, right? So don't hold on too tightly because things have changed. And, and the reality is Mary isn't really completely off. There, there is continuity between Jesus before and Jesus now. The crucified Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, but there's also some discontinuity. So some things have changed, and some things have stayed the same. But we can see that even in the example of Jesus' physical body itself. Because some things are, there are some things that are similar enough that while Mary, when, um, and even the disciples just after this, when they don't recognize Jesus right away, they do resonate with his voice, right, at some point in time. And with his familiar scars, 
He's in his physical body, but his physical body isn't exactly the same. He even shows up in rooms in different ways, right? He sometimes just like miraculously appears there without using a door. <laughs> so he, there's some similarities. There's enough connection there from before that there is some recognition, but also some things are different. So some things, there's continuity and discontinuity physically, but there's also some relational discontinuity. Jesus is going away. He isn't going to relate to the disciples in the same way anymore. He is back for now, but he's sending his spirit, and and he won't physically be present in the way that he had been. And at the same time, this relational stat, the same time that's happening, this relational status that he has with his disciples gets an upgrade. The disciples go from being his friends to his brothers. There's continuity, but there's also some discontinuity that we see in Jesus before and after. But in this moment, Mary wants to hold on to the continuity that she, was familiar, that she was familiar with. She wanted to return to what she knew. And, and that's not some kind of negative reflection on Mary. Because let me tell you, Mary is a powerhouse. Her love and devotion is, is tangible. And I aspire to have the kind of faith that she did. She is an apostle to the apostles. And at some point, she understands more clearly. But for the moment, she's holding on too tightly to the past. Instead of being a criticism, it's a reflection on the ways that in our human nature, we all naturally want to hold on to things that are comfortable to us, things we know and that are familiar to us, things that are clear and easy and just we can just know how to approach it and what to do with it, right? And we do this in lots of ways. We, we desire to hold tightly uh, our identities within relationships, we desire to hold tightly uh, to our identities uh, within our careers or a certain status. And, and let me be clear, I, I know we all have different backgrounds here, but it's not just a lofty status, like being, being somebody with a certain position or a certain amount of power, although often that, that is true as well. Sometimes we hold on to identities full of shame as an addict or a person of little value or worth for the things that we have done. Sometimes we hold tightly to an identity of a life in poverty or a life of struggle, like things could never be different. It's always going to have to be this way because we've attached to it in some way. And sometimes we hold on too tightly to the identities, the identities that other people have given us, the identities that we have accepted for ourselves, even if they aren't true, Right? We desire to hold tightly to our opinions and our ways of seeing the world, even our ideas about God and God's character and work in the world, because it keeps us feeling like we have a foundation, even if the foundation is faulty. We want to hold it so tightly. We like to hold tightly to the continuity because the continuity is comfortable. It's comfortable for us. The discontinuity messes us all up. We have to think about things differently. We have to listen more and react less. We have to wait and we have to be patient because we don't know the exact ending or outcome of something because we haven't been there before. We don't know how it plays out. We have to trust. We have to hope when we don't understand or know the answers. We have to navigate unfamiliar territory. And, and even if the, the discontinuity uh, brings about something better in our lives, 
for many of us, if we don't pay attention, the uncomfortability of that will drive us straight back to old patterns and thoughts and ways of being in the world. Even if something is better when we move on ahead. The desire for the comfortability and the known will take us back to the way we were. But let me tell you something this morning. It's in the discontinuity, the places where things have changed and shifted, even though some things still remain the same, where the resurrection is most profoundly experienced. And I, I like to offer an example of this that, that I get reminded of when I, when I talk about this specific idea um, because there was a time in my life where I was going into a Perryville prison and preaching in the prison to the women on a weekly basis and um, speaking to the women there who had been incarcerated. And this is what would happen with them so often. You would see this kind of um, situation where in some spaces, nothing had really changed, but then at the same time, everything had changed. Because you see, in prison, so many of them would give their lives to Jesus, and they would experience freedom, and they would experience this in internal transformation in their heart and in their lives, and they would start thinking differently and studying the word and trying to live differently, but they were still locked up. <laughs> there was a freedom on the inside that they didn't experience on the outside. They were in a physical prison even though their lives had been set free. Powerful resurrection stories came out of that time and powerful transformations of life. God was doing a deep work in the womb of the darkness of the lives of those women that I would encounter. And I bet if you look, there is some continuity and some discontinuity in your own life as well. Some places where things have shifted and changed, even though some things remain the same. There's some familiar things, but something new is stirring and happening. And the question isn't so much about the what of those spaces, like defining what those spaces are, but rather the how. How are you responding? Are you clinging to the things of the past when the resurrected Jesus is saying, come, come forward. Come into what's new. Don't go back. It's a new day. I have a new perspective for you. I'm doing something new in your life. Keep coming forward. If you don't hold too tightly to what you knew before, you're going to get to experience it, but you got to keep pressing forward. Don't turn around. Don't go back. And it's scary, and I get that. And the disorientation and the confusion that you feel is normal in these times of transition but don't hold too tightly to the past because what's ahead is so much greater than anything you knew before. It won't always be easy. It won't always be perfect. <laughs> it won't always fit your previous box or your ideas or the way that you wanted things to be or thought things should be. But I can tell you this, it will be good and it will be right, and it will be beautiful, because that's the kind of stuff that Jesus does. Everything that Jesus does is good and right and beautiful, and if you keep following him, moving ahead, you're going to get to experience that. But you can't hold too tightly to what was in the past. Author and professor Ben Witherington III says this, We are the people of the resurrection. And because of this, old things keep passing away, and we must not cling to them. We may learn from the past, 
We may even carry over many of the values of the past, but we cannot live in the past. There is a new day ahead. Isaiah 43, I know you know it, says, Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. There's truth to this, and in my spirit, I know that God is on the move in powerful ways in individual lives in this room and in the world around us. There has been so much change and disorientation and shifting of things over the last several years. And so often our tendency is to want to just go back to what we knew and what was comfortable and how it was. But God is doing a new things, and God is shaking things up. sometimes sometimes our former way of doing things aren't really serving us that well and so God is moving and doing something new so that we can live into this new resurrection life in a profound way not just for ourselves for others so that others can experience this life-giving transformation this resurrection power in their own life But if we hold too tightly to what was before, not only do we miss it, we miss it on the opportunity to share it with others. As the beloved child of the Father, as the sisters and brothers of Jesus, each of you sitting in this room, there is more to your stories than the stories that you've told yourself or the stories that you've held so tightly to. We are a resurrection people, and that changes some things. Some areas of your life may not look like much has changed, but in the darkness of the womb, when it has seemed like nothing was happening, something was happening. God was working. New life was being birthed, and things were shifting. And if you'll lean into the shift, you'll experience the new life on the other side, the fuller, more beautiful resurrection life. And while it can be scary, stepping into new territory or new things or dealing with changes, all of it can be scary, but we don't have to be afraid of what feels unknown. You don't have to feel this, fear this new identity or the new things that God might be calling you to or the changes in the way that you're living your life or the new frameworks and perspectives for seeing others or, or for just being in the world the way that you're living in the world. You don't have to be afraid of that because while it might be unfamiliar and uncomfortable to you, it isn't completely unknown. It isn't unknown to the giver of the resurrection life. Your future is bright because you are a resurrection person. And if you don't know that yet, I want to speak that over you today. God hasn't just saved you from some things. He saved you into some things. And we need to keep moving forward in order to experience that in a greater capacity in our lives. There is beauty and new life ahead in the family of God that you're a part of. 
You're a part of the family of God, and you get to experience this resurrection life. So if you want to hold on to something tightly today, hold on to that. Hold on to the promise of this resurrection life and the fullness of it, and that you don't have to fear the changes and the things that are ahead. You can lean into it because with Jesus, there are greater things ahead. There's greater life to be experienced. And I just want to remind you as we close today that you're loved. <laughs> and perfect love casts out all fear as well, right? It drives out, it drives out fear. So when we hang on to that, that knowing that we are the beloved, that we are loved by God, and that the things that are changing and shifting, while they're unfamiliar and maybe uncomfortable, they're not unknown, we can rest in the peace and the joy that is in him to lean into all of it and to trust him in the process. So this morning, I just want to encourage you that the resurrected life of Jesus says, let go, don't hold too tightly, I've got more. Let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. continue to just welcome the Holy Spirit in, into this space this morning, into our hearts, into our lives, into our circumstances. And I don't know what God is saying to each of you individually, but I know, I sense... sense some heaviness here today. I don't know if um, someone is struggling with a lot of changes or having difficulty with this thing that we just talked about this morning with holding too tightly to something. I just want to encourage you that there's freedom and there's more life. And there's, there's just more. <laughs> and I want to free you up to let go and not hold so tightly. Because what God has for you on the other side is more and is greater than what you knew before. Just want to encourage you with this word, even as a congregation, as a body. you would be open to the new things that God is continuing to do in this resurrection life. We are a resurrection people, and so 
things continue to change and to move forward and we can trust Jesus in all of it. We don't have to fear. We don't have to hold too tightly to the things of the past, but we can rest and lean into the shift. Jesus for this this word thank you for your truth that continues to teach us and speak to us and to lead us I pray this morning that we would not be distracted by the looking back over our shoulder but that we would continue to follow you into all the places that you're going and you're leading Lord You go before us, you go behind us, you walk beside us, we're not alone. So Jesus, I pray that you would break any spirit of fear this morning and that you would fill each person with your perfect love, that by the power of your spirit, you would fill them with your love and with your peace. each one individually and each of them corporately as a community forward into this resurrection life in greater ways. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.